Welcome to season two. And, you know, if you've listened to the podcast all the way through to the end in season one, and I mean, you know, the very, very end, like the tags and everything, you know that we record at Pixelworks Studios in Delray Beach, Florida, which we love because Pixel and Works are both fun to say. And also because of our fabulous producer, Janine, she's fab for many reasons, not the least of which is that she keeps the place full of snacks. And some of those are healthy and some health and diet may not be the reason that one reaches for that particular snack option. But whatever particular munchie is your favorite, now would be the time to go get yourself one. Bring it along for a ride on the back nine. This is the back nine with Dennis Williams and Josh Mora. Dennis, season Dos. Who would have ever thought we'd get here? Well, we did. We did. We, we did. We did. We and we what a first season we had. It was so much fun. And I just love the fact that we have people following us and downloading episodes and looking forward to season two. And I, for one, am really looking forward to season two. And why, why is that? Because we just got a great, we already have a great lineup planned. We've got former athletes, some celebrities, mm-hmm. just some good overall people. This what is happening? I have people asking me if they can be on now. Are you having that happen? All the time. I'm not kidding and, you. And like, frankly, it's... some of them, not so much, really. <laughs> I know. They're nice people, but. I, I mean, I know. The guy at the bank the other day, no. <laughs> the guy washing my car was like, can I get on your show? Well, he is good, though. I like him. He... <laughs> no, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I think we, we've, we found something that is different, and it's not about us. It's about our guests. And Boy, I'm, I'm setting the stage for our guest today because we couldn't be more thrilled to have him. Yeah, we'll get to him in just a second. I, I'm looking forward to it also for a couple of reasons. Three reasons. One, because of the snacks. Ginny now has stocked the place with Reese's Pieces, my favorite. I didn't see those. Yeah, it's because I took me? them all. I took. I, I had like three bags are and there, I put the rest in my Are there my M&Ms? I didn't get past the Reese's. I'm a peanut butter. Two, because, <laughs> because we're going to focus, as we talked about uh, in Making the Turn, we're doing some more topically based shows as well as having great guests and three because of our guests and especially our first guests should we bring him in yeah let's bring him in so this guy and this is really our first kind of a-list so we've been lovely celebrities before but people that we really knew and have known throughout our lives this guy is someone that we met separately but at the same time when we were working in buffalo this guy if he were not in la doing hollywood stuff he might be the mayor of buffalo <laughs> um a, an amazing career huge buffalo sports fan and extremely accomplished guy, and currently the co-creator of what is now my favorite show that I've been watching, watching the entire first season. It's on Max. It's called The Bookie, and he is our good friend, Nick Bakai. And Nick, we could not be more pleased to have you joining us on The Back Nine. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be on my back nine, too. (laughs) But we all are. So Yeah, none of us know what hole we're on. That's the whole key. Oh, no. (laughs) I think the goal here is, Nick, is to, I want to talk about your career just a little bit and then make it relatable for our audience because there's there's a very limited selection of people that can understand what a career in Hollywood is like. But I want to first talk about how we met. I, I had been a fan of yours from when you had been doing spots on ESPN. This is several decades ago for all of us. And You did a segment about the NFL leaving LA that is still one of the funniest things I have ever seen in my entire life. And then we we were working in Buffalo. I did not know you were from Buffalo at the time. And suddenly there you were in the press box, I think at a Sabres game. And you came up to me and said, hey, Josh Mora. And I was like, oh, my God, Nick, you're Nick Bakai like that. And you're identifying. So that was a really meaningful moment. And, and we've been able to stay in contact ever since. That's right. 
Yeah, my my wife, we were living in a rental at the time, and she probably bribed the building manager into letting her jam a satellite dish wire into the side of the building <laughs> at the, the dawn of satellite TV. Yeah. And I became addicted to, as a Buffalonian at heart and forever, Empire Sports Network. Ah, uh, dearly and departed. Yeah. You know, you and obviously... Dennis, I watched you on TV and, and all your incarnations, but I got hooked on Empire and those Sabre games and all the studio shows and everything. And and I also remember a few times calling in and talking to you while yes. you were hosting. And that just for me was like a chance to sort of enter a portal back home. So absolutely. I feel like I've known you forever. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the same way. Can we talk about the bookie first? Dennis, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's the, great. Yeah, the, the, the I, and is, no, just don't give it away because I have not watched. I'm watching it. I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not through it all. So I need to get through the season. So just don't give any things away. All right. I've gotten through all of this season. Okay. And, and Nick, this it's is great. one of the funniest flipping things I've, I've seen in a long time. How, how did the idea, so again, it's the bookie on Max. How did the idea come to fruition and what is it like working on that show at this point in your career? No, it's been, it's as much fun as I've had because as you might imagine, I've spent a lot of my career, it's been eclectic, but I've done a lot of traditional half hour comedies as a writer, a lot of network comedy, which has been great, but this has been a chance to, re this has been a palate cleanser, the opportunity to write a single camera on an unfettered, uncensored network and about a world that I'm fascinated by. It's, I'm lucky enough to have worked a lot recent years with Chuck Lorre. We wrote it together. It started with an opportunity to work with Sebastian Maniscalco, who is yeah, one yes. of the elite and the comedians of this generation. And we were very intrigued to do that. And, but we, at a certain point broke left from multicam sitcom and saw it as an opportunity to do something different. We saw him in the Irishman. He really held his own in a different milieu with some pretty amazing actors in that. And it got us thinking, and we just said, what if we did this? And I said, I, I brought the bookie neighborhood conceptually to Chuck. And fortunately, Sebastian was willing to go with us in that direction. And we were off to the races and Max gave us a green light and we did eight. And it was uh, the time of our lives. We have an amazing cast beyond Sebastian, Omar Dorsey, and an amazing crew of actors. And the great news is we got, gee, I think it was two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, we I got saw that. Up for and, uh, and, right. and we're hard at work right now figuring out what's next so things have worked out beautifully well nick i got a very uh, way to make this very relatable to our audience so i'm a huge sebastian <laughs> fan huge sebastian mascalco fan also people who know from season one i am divorced so during the time period of my dating life one of the prerequisites <laughs> of dating me was second or third date we would sit and watch one of his specials and if you <laughs> did not like it if you didn't laugh I was done. I was done. If you don't that, have that, and for me, best, for yeah. me, Nick, yeah. it's like you appreciate this because you and your wife share a sense of humor. You guys are both very funny and comedians, and sense of humor is like the top thing on my list of things yeah. that I have to share with the person I'm going to be with. Thankfully, now with my fiance, I have that. So 
maybe talk about that. Yeah. Like that, that, so first of all, Sebastian's amazing. And that, that, that was the litmus test for me in dating. And it's, I'm not, it, it sounds like a joke, but it's actually not like, I'm, I'm very <laughs> serious about you having to match oh, my no, sense of humor. I, and he is so funny and so matches uh, my sense of humor that, 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 that was just a thing for me. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty smart. I, Robin and I were both married previously. We, we're going to have our 30th anniversary this year, but we both, we both swing and a miss mm-hmm. previous. I will tell you that one of the things that we realized the first time around was that we were with people who didn't have the same capacity to work a joke into the ground that we did. <laughs> so, and, and, and that's no, I'm, I'm not casting any aspersions, but in terms of long range compatibility, Absolutely. that's a killer, baby. If you are, and when we connected, and I realized, oh my God, she hasn't, I've, I haven't had that moment with Robin where she's like, okay, that's enough. You know, <laughs> um, I was like, God, she's not only beautiful, but I'm getting the green light to grind this joke into the ground. Oh, oh, I'm in trouble. And like I said, 30 years later, here we are. So I think you're spot on. I think, look, all sorts of things, if you're going to go the long haul, Things burn hot and cold. <laughs> You're also going to go through phases where you hate each other's guts. But if you can laugh, it'll help you as you evolve separately and as a unit. It's the key element in my book. Before the show, I told her today, I said, I'm going to have to, my, my fiance, I said, I'm, I've been losing my voice. She knows I've been having trouble with my voice. She goes, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I said, I'm not going to talk for two hours. I don't think before the show, she goes, you promise? <laughs> <laughs> I love her already. <laughs> no, she's a, she's a she's a keeper for That's sure. That's a keeper. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah. you, you know, Nick doesn't. Well, it, well. You, I'm not sure that this is where I initially intended to. to take the conversation, but that's so important. I think laughter, of course, for any two people or a shared sense of humor, but for you, especially as a comedian, someone who has been a comedic actor, writer, creator, beyond sense of humor, whatever it is, right, that, that you find that you share with your significant other, that has to be the, the thing around which you build a relationship, whether it's humor or, or a sense of travel or a sense of excitement or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think they're, I think, oh, I, I absolutely agree. It's it's penury to be with somebody who's not tonally in the same world you live in. It really is. You can, you know, and honestly, we you don't have to get married to be in a relationship where you realize I was attracted to this person. But now that we've had a few, we've had a little water under the bridge, I'm realizing yeah. that we're just in different realms. We're, if we were in a bookstore you wouldn't find us on the same shelf, right? And that's going to be a problem. And I also, I think in the long run, you have to understand, you you have to learn what each person's madness is. And hopefully those, they improve in those departments, but you also have to understand they might not. And you have to be able to help them and work with that over the long haul. Those are the key elements to me. Did, Did they help you stay as sane as you possibly can? And can they handle you if you can't get over there? And do you compliment each other in those departments? I think those are essential things too. But I, I kind of understand those things because I got very lucky with my wife. She's yeah. She has been the architect of pretty much all the growth in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, I am a classic. Why would we change anything male? 
you know, <laughs> and all the sort of grand moments in our life together. She's pretty much designed them. And it, those were the moments when I was smart enough to listen. Well, that's important. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. If you need a benefit auctioneer for your next fundraising gala, hire Eric Goodman, who's broken fundraising records all over the country. Josh and I have known Eric for over 30 years, and he's one of the most passionate, energetic, and hardworking people we know. Eric's consulting strategies and successful fundraising techniques is why he raised a million dollars in 10 minutes at a recent event. Visit yourfundraisingteam.com to see a video of his work, testimonials, and then book with Eric today so your nonprofit can have a record-breaking night. Now back to the guys. How much do you think the small town roots and, and being connected to a place like Buffalo has informed what you've been able to do and how you've been able to stay humble and not get caught, swept up in that that Hollywood lifestyle? I mean, you've been around some amazing people. I mean, we could go through your resume. I don't think we did the justice even. King of Queens was incredible, and you were extensively involved in that. And Sabrina. And a bunch of movies you've done, too. So it's so it's such an incredible resume, and it never seems like you got swept up into the Hollywood scene, and you, you just remained humble and connected well, to Buffalo, too, in, in, in a lot of respects. That's really nice to hear, if that's the perception. I mean, honestly, I've had a workman's career. It's not like... I fell into that kind of clover that was that kind of seductive, ruinous <laughs> you yeah. know, path. I've really, writing, for all the cool things I got to do, and it's been really cool, writing has always been my bread and butter. And that's, it's not sexy at all. It's really, sheesh, it's just work. It really is. It's grind work. And it's rewriting and it's fixing and it's also working well with others, playing well with others, right? Being a Buffalonian was a real plus because I do think that that's a place that keeps your head in a good place. My wife's line to me always is, why don't you and Buffalo go get a room? (laughs) Right. She's, I'm very, people who aren't from there don't understand, how can you be so proud and connected to a place? But I do think there's value in that. And I've become very close with Billy Gardell, um, who's a Pittsburgh guy. And we talk a lot. And one of our favorite things we realize is that when I'm in a new writing room, one of my favorite little experiments is I love to go around the room and say, has anyone else here ever worked a job where you had a foreman? And I think, I'm, I'm, boy, I've been at this a long time, guys. And... I think I've met two. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's a bunch of these jackasses in cargo <laughs> shorts. It's a different mentality. It just is. But when I meet those guys, they're always from Cleveland or Pittsburgh or and they're plus foreman. I guess that dates me to a degree. It's generational as well. But it just it just tells you about um, a mentality of people who've had the kind of jobs where nobody's there to make sure your feelings are okay. Right. <laughs> you know? And and nobody, but you've done a kind of job that you did wasn't particularly sexy and you got paid poorly for it. And that, I think, keeps you balanced. And that's been great for me in this town because for every good day in this business, there's a humbling, awful day. And there's a lot of days of mystery and it sucks. So... 
If you don't get too high, try not to get too low. And that, Nick, I think is where we all are as we are on the back nine, which is that mystery, right? We don't know what's coming next. We don't know that we're going to have our health from one day to the next. Not really. We don't necessarily know when we're going to want to take a change of direction with a career or uh, something that's going on with our kids or whatever it might be. And so mm-hmm. you, you've provided a good point there about finding the value in, in grounding yourself. What advice would, and, and you've co- constructed a career that has, by definition, has to hop from gig to gig to gig to gig. Many of us in at this time in our lives may have something similar. We're looking to find that last thing or the next couple of things that are going to take us to the end of working life or whatever it might be. When you have the opportunity to assess a situation, I mean, the bookie seems like an obvious one to say yes to, but I'm sure there are some that you've also said no to. What kind of values do you lean on to help you make those decisions? It's really interesting. I'm not a big no guy. It's funny. People have always said, well, you and I, you've done all sorts of interesting things. For a guy in a comedy writing room, I do stand out because I've done a lot of acting. I've been on a lot of shows. I did a lot of ESPN. I did a lot of, I've done movies. I've done the, there, there's other stuff in that mix, but it was always saying yes out of necessity. It wasn't like, I'm going to be some fascinating unicorn. <laughs> you know, it was like, this was never like, look at me. It was always, how do we get the rent paid? But it was always the mother of invention was just driving to rent or driving to braces if you have kids or drive or almighty it never ends i mean i i went to the i had to buy lithium batteries four double a lithium batteries last week it was 27 dollars, right it's like what i think we're doomed right it's like (laughs) you think like well there'll be a time when i don't have to no we live in a punishing. It's funny. I have a blog, a private blog with a bunch of guys I grew up with in Buffalo. We've known each other since we were maybe like seven, eight years old. And all these guys are in completely different lines of work. Some are back home. Many are scattered across the country. And we're, I'm 65, right? So we have great generation fathers. We all knew each other's fathers. And those guys in the man department, they skate circles around us. It's you know, it's not even close. They were tougher. They were smarter. They were they went through oh, yeah. things we'll never understand. On and on and on. The one thing we have a consensus on that we have harder than our fathers is the staggering cost of living. Right. It's, yes. And it's not a category you want to win. It's not. But it's the truth. So I, and I, and and as well as things have gone for me, I live in an expensive world and I try to take care of my family as best I can. And I always had that feeling of my God. And I also adopted some boys very late in life. I have an 11 year old and a 16 year old. Oh my gosh. There, I'm going to be like that poor woman who finished that marathon with crap running down the back of her legs. You know, <laughs> There will be no, there's no, there's no retiring. There's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like the horse in true grit. They're just, he's just going to shoot me dead when I'm going to drop dead. And hopefully the family gets to the end zone. Wow. So I feel that the, herein lies my destiny. So I'm a yes. You got work? Yes. I'll do it. That's great. That might be the <laughs> mic drop there, but I did have one more question for you. And that was, 
do, do you have anything for our listeners, like one nugget that, that, that switched on the front nine to the back nine, something that like, uh, something that makes you different or advice you would give that the first half of your life, I was this way and the second half of my life, I, I really learned some sort of valuable lesson. Is there something that you can leave us with? The only thing is this, it's a work in progress. It's not something that I've actually mastered, but I am working on it. And it is, I am looking back over my life since I became an adult and particularly since I had dependents. And I look back and I think how much of my life I spent worrying about things that didn't happen. And how many of the truly bad things that came were just like a quarterback that got blindsided. You didn't see it coming. And I just, I am trying my damnedest to not lose as much of my time and my energy and the moment to moment of my days and the beautiful potential of my life with just mindless worry because I've wasted a ton of time and I never got it right. All the stuff that got me up at 3 a.m., weren't the things that got me. And so this is my project. This is my current project. So that's my advice to everybody. Look back on how all the things you frittered great moments in your life away worrying about and really do the math on how often were you actually right. That's spectacular. That's a great, that's a great way we, to end Mike it. Drop on, so Mike much. drop on, yeah. Mike drop on, Mike drop, right? Yeah, yeah, thanks so much, Nick. <laughs> Nick, great to see you. Hey, con- uh, I love where season one of the bookie ended. I can't wait for season two. I know you're working on it and congrats on that success, your career success. Um, and thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure. Good luck, fellas. Thanks. Thank you, you, my friend. Well, I can tell you, Dennis, I can really identify with that last nugget that Nick dropped that he's absolutely right. The things that have been most impactful and often negatively impactful have been things that I absolutely did not see coming. Yeah, I, I think the the whole idea that we worry, I've worked, I work on that all the time. Yeah. Things, whether it's something with a client at work or something else in my life, something with my kids. When you're a parent of kids that are grown and out of the house, I mean, think about the amount of times I worry about my 26 year old and 22 year old. I'll wake up at night and think, is Maddie okay in St. John? Like, is she yeah. okay right now? Is she? And I just worry, and and of course. There's not that doesn't solve anything. There's nothing that that accomplishes. And I think his point is, your the result is not going to be there. Like it's not going to happen, right? You, nine nine hundred times out of a uh, thousand, it's not going to happen. So it's one of those things where you need to just take a step back and realize that worrying doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, and the flip of that is that the time that you spend worrying about things that may never come could be spent on time enjoying where you actually are in the moment, right? And the point of that is, is time is all we have. So if you spend, it's the most valuable commodity we have. So if you spend that time worrying, you're wasting it. That's right. That's right. Time is valuable. So yeah, that was a huge nugget for me yeah. and, and, and a great way to end it. But there were so many. Like, there, right. We could, we could spend another 25 minutes, a whole other show, just breaking down all the things he said. He's, he's brilliant and, and a, has been a wonderful friend over the years. And just thrilled again for his success. And I will just say, though, I do think that he agreed with me that one of if we, we are trying to help people on the back nine. Maybe you're divorced and, or you're looking for somebody. Get that match, whether it's sense of humor or something else in, in your life. For me, it was that. It was the litmus test for me was, do you have the same sense of humor? And at that time, 
Sebastian Maniscalco is as big as he ever was now, yeah. but it was it was the time he was really blowing up. And he's got three or four specials on Netflix, and I would sit, you know, sit with these dates and make them watch it. And sometimes they laughed, and sometimes they didn't, and that was the yeah, what was the what was the batting percentage on that? Ah, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I have to go back. Sit and down look. and figure I'd have to that go out. Back and look. It doesn't matter now. My fiance yeah, loves right. it so much, so I didn't tell him this that we are in the audience at Sebastian's special that's currently on Netflix, the one where he's wearing the tuxedo, his most recent one. We were in the audience in Vegas for that special for her birthday. It was her birthday celebration. We were at that, so she, so she you wanted know, to go. I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> Well, Nick is a great friend. He's familiar. A lot of things to break down there. And we'll review those in a future episode at some point. And we'll see you next time on The Back Nine. Thanks for teeing it up with Josh and me on The Back Nine podcast. We would be eternally grateful if you could download and follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave a five-star rating. The Back Nine is hand-woven by Stella Mix Productions and recorded at Pixelworks Studios in Delray Beach, Florida.